Welcome to this sermon podcast from Myo Baptist Church, and thank you for listening to today's message. We pray that God's Word will be an encouragement to you and a reminder that the Bible has all the answers to living a successful and fulfilled life. Again, thanks for listening. We now join the service in progress. Important question. Can we trust the Genesis account of creation? So much hinges on how you answer that question. The teaching of origins, and when I refer to origins, I'm talking about where did our universe and come from, and how did we humans get here? I believe the teaching of origins in our public schools and universities has been a major factor in undermining faith in America. And polls show that faith in America is declining. There's got to be reasons behind that, and I think, in my opinion, this is one of those reasons. The fact that evolution and uh, the Big Bang Theory are taught predominantly in our uh, secular schools. You know, it's, it's interesting that it hasn't always been that way. You do know that for a couple hundred years from the birth of our nation up until the early 1900s, only creation was taught in our schools. You know at one time the Bible was used to teach reading and teach the alphabet in our schools. And I know a little something about that because my degrees are, are in education uh, from, from LSU, who played terrible last night. There was... But I showed up anyway this morning, so I'm here. We're going to go through with it. But creation was taught exclusively. And then comes along the Scopes monkey trial, right? Dayton, Tennessee. I've been to Dayton, Tennessee on numerous occasions. We used to go to a basketball tournament in Dayton, Tennessee, and that courtroom is there for some strange reason. I never went into it. I should have. But that's where creation got put on trial. And the idea was back then, (coughs) I don't know what's going on with my voice. Something's happening. (coughs) Back then, uh, when only creation was taught in schools, The secularist says, wait a minute, that's not right. We need to give equal time to evolution. And that became the case. So the evolutionist said, it's not fair just to teach creation. You need to teach evolution alongside it. And then in time, once they got their foot in the door, what did they do? They kicked the creation out. And now it's just evolution. So we have gone in our country from a time when just creation was taught to now a time when just evolution is taught. I like this quote from Ken Ham. You know, he's with Answers in Genesis, the Creation Museum, the Ark. Ken Ham says, and I quote, Christians must understand the nature of the change that has occurred in our culture. No longer do the secularists just mock Christians from afar, They are now actively campaigning to indoctrinate children in an anti-God philosophy to teach them to be secularist and atheist. 
That is a fact. And listen to that carefully, parents. They are now actively campaigning to indoctrinate children in an anti-God philosophy to teach them, your children, to be secularist and <clears throat> atheist. So we live today with a contradiction in origins. Two sources of origins that are uh, contradictory one to another. And basically, it's the secularist view. By secularist, we mean people that do not believe in God. And we have the Christian view or the creationist view. Now, the secularists disregard the Bible altogether. Remember, they don't believe in God. They don't believe the Bible is the word of God. So they come up with their own idea as to how all of this got here. How do the secularists, the non-believers, explain origins? How do they explain the fact that there is a universe and there is man? Well, let's, let's look. Let's look online. I, I found a simple little website. It's, it's a children's website. It's called Kids Biology. It is a secularist website. And if your child or you were to go to this, that website, you would read the following. This is how secularists explain where everything came from. You can read it behind me on the screen. I quote, they say, The theory of evolution is usually used to describe how new living things form over time. Now, they're teaching children. But to better understand how living things formed, we can go back even further in time. In fact, we'll go back 13.8 billion years to the start of the universe. Now, they just say that as fact. They just say it as fact. And I guarantee you there's people in this room that you've listened to this for so long, you probably assume, well, it is a fact. Isn't it, Pastor? Let's read on. Here's their explanation. The universe, the earth, and all of the other planets didn't always exist. <clears throat> From our view, 13.8 billion years ago, we would see the whole universe smashed into a very tiny ball. <laughs> They're creative. They got a good imagination. There is zero evidence for that, folks. You understand that. Just think for a second. Nobody was there to see it. That is pure speculation. Absolute pure speculation at best. Then, a big explosion of energy caused that tiny ball to expand and form the universe. Well, for, Now, this is hard for us, for me. Maybe you can understand it better. But you've you got to have time and space to begin with. Where did time come from? Well, well time, Pastor, it just is. No. Where did time come from? Where did space come from? Where did that matter originate from? Then a big explosion of energy caused that tiny ball to expand and form the universe. The theory that describes this explosion is the Big Bang. They go on to say, eventually the environment contained a soup of molecules that could make DNA and RNA. These building block molecules allowed the first cells to develop. The cells were very simple, but these prokaryotic uh, cells were the very first organisms. They were the start of all life on earth. 
probably the majority of people in this nation take that at face value. Because pastor, scientists, you know, scientists, they say this. They know. They're, they're, they're smarter than, than us. Hey, you know, hey, Bill Nye, the science guy, you know, they, there's no other explanation. That, that's got to be it. Now, the problem is, folks, if you believe that, if you believe the secularist view, then you cannot believe the Bible. Because the Bible teaches something completely contrary to that. And it's for that reason that so many people today doubt the Bible. Because the scientists have proven that the Genesis account of creation cannot possibly be true. Now, if you believe that, that the Genesis account of creation is not accurate, or that it's a mistake, then does that not cast doubt on the entire Bible? Where might other mistakes be? And Satan would be well pleased if you lost faith in God's word because of what the secularists are teaching today. But that is a very simple explanation from a kid's biology website. That explains to millions of kids out there who take it at face value, and their parents take it at face value. That explains it to them. Okay, that's that's the way it is. That's the way it's done. There is a contrary view. There is the Bible view. There is the Christian view. There is the creationist view. How do Bible believers explain origins? Let, let's keep it simple. We, we looked at a simple children's website. Let's, let's keep it simple. Just Let's look at the Bible. You, you want to hear some beautiful words? Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. That's just beautiful. That's just believable. That just makes sense. In the beginning, according to God's word, God created the heaven and the earth. And then goes on to explain those days of creation. We won't read them all. But just on the first day, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. He simply spoke it into being. And God saw the light, that it was good, and God divided the light from the darkness, and God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And the evening and the morning were the first day. I believe what the Bible says about creation, that God created the heavens and the earth and all that are in them in six literal 24-hour days, period. I don't believe it's talking about using day in a figurative manner of it could be a million years. I don't believe that. I don't believe that there's a gap between Genesis 1 and 2 as some some believe that there's millions of years there because you see folks are being influenced by the world and they're trying to fit the world into the Bible. But if you just take the Bible at face value, you know, let's just take grandma sitting on the rocking chair on the front porch reading Genesis 1 and 2. She's just going to believe what it says, that in six days, you know, God created the heavens and the earth, and then on the seventh, he rested. It's going to take some intellect to come along and say, no, Grandma, that's not what that means. Well, that's what it says. That's what it says. You know, no, that, that, 
No, Grandma, let me explain. You know, we're smarter than the Bible. You have two competing views here. Which one can you trust? Can you trust the Genesis account of creation? And I'm going to make three points this morning that I think will prove that you can trust the Genesis account of creation. I'll give them to you, then we'll look at them individually. You can trust the Genesis account of creation in the Bible because the Bible is the Word of God. It's the Word of God. Of of course, you, you can trust it from Genesis to Revelation, everything that it says. You may not have the capacity to understand all that it says. No man does because it's written by God. But what it does say, you can trust it. Number two, you can trust the Genesis account of creation because this account is plausible. It, it, it makes, by plausible, I mean it makes sense. When I read what the secularists say, to me, it doesn't make sense. How, how do you explain that something came out of nothing? Well, there was the Big Bang, and, well, and then, then evolution. And all that. that doesn't make sense. You can trust the Genesis account of creation because this account is plausible. And number three, you can trust the Genesis account of creation because observable facts support the account. What you can see supports the Genesis account. It does not support the secularist account. You need to understand that. Say, but pastor, they got radiocarbon dating and all of that is scientific and all of that is perfect. No, it is not. It is not. They would have you believe that because they don't want to believe in God. Man is such a sinner. He, does, he, he wants to ignore the obvious. And I've said it before. People will say, well, pastor, if the evidence is overwhelming in favor of creation, why doesn't everybody believe it? And I've told you before, people don't want to believe in God any more than a convict wants to have contact with a policeman. You know, a criminal. He doesn't want to find a policeman. Sinners don't want to find God. Let's look at these three points. Number one, you can trust the Genesis account of creation in the Bible because the Bible is the word of God. And you know... When I used to turn in English papers in English class at LSU, and the teachers would grade them, mine would come back with all sorts of red marks on them. You know, this verb doesn't agree with this or whatever, and they would talk about gerunds. Who knows what that is? I mean, it wasn't important to me, but anyway, my papers would come back all marked up. This doesn't come back marked up, folks. There, there, there's, it can undergo scrutiny of, of anyone and everyone. Second Timothy 3.16 says, All scripture is given by inspiration of God. I made mistakes when I wrote papers. God made no mistake when he wrote this. There are no mistakes here. Are there challenging verses, challenging principles that's hard for us to understand? As, as I like to say, head scratchers in here. Sure there are. But there aren't any mistakes. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. And it's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. And for those reasons, Satan has mounted an attack on God's word from the beginning. Asking Adam and Eve, hath God said? And he was raising questions about God's word. And he's still doing that today. You know, scientists are saying, this is the way it had to be. And that's Satan through them saying, hath God said that on the first day he created the heavens and the earth? 
we can trust the Genesis account of creation because it's God's word. Several points here. Number one, every time there's a scientific or historical fact mentioned in the Bible, it has been shown to be true. The earth is round, currents in the sea, the prevailing winds. All of those are mentioned in Scripture before they were ever discovered by man. Even when a civilization mentioned has not been heard of before, archaeology eventually finds evidence that it really did exist. There are those that will tell you, try to tell you, that the Bible is filled with contradictions and errors. That's not true. There have been times in the past when it says, well, this particular group of people mentioned in the Bible did not exist. And then years later, archaeologists discover, woohoo, guess what? They did exist. And here's, this, here's the evidence. And the fact that life is in the blood, the fact that the Bible was talking about the earth being round, you know, that was at a time when people said it was flat until it was discovered that it was round. Come to find out that the Bible was right. Come to find out that the Bible is always right. Why? It is written by God. It is God's word. We next see many Bible prophecies have already been fulfilled. There are thousands of prophecies in the Bible that have come true. Jesus himself fulfilled over 60 through his life, death, and resurrection because so many prophecies in the Bible have already come true. We can trust that the rest will be fulfilled in the future. There is no other book ever been written with as many prophecies, things that are said to happen in the future that actually happened. The, the, the book is filled with prophecies that have come true and will come true. Again, substantiating the fact that the Bible is unique. It is unlike any other book. It is the very Word of God. That being the case, you can trust all of it from Genesis to Revelation, including Genesis 1.1. You take it at face value. If God said it, it's done. And and the, the scientists can raise their questions, they can debate, they can argue, they can lie, they can speculate till they're blue in the face. It's not going to change God's Word. The Bible has a proven record over thousands of years to miraculously change lives. People living in horrible sin have been changed into people pursuing lives of holiness and righteousness because of the power of the Bible, the power of God's Word. You want further evidence that the Bible is unique? It is uniquely God's Word. Just look at its ability to change lives. Some of you may be here this morning, and you're familiar with the song Amazing Grace. Do you know that before that man got saved, he was one of the most reprobate sinners that ever lived? But he got saved? God's word changed him? Affected him as only something miraculous as the word of God could do? And he wrote Amazing Grace? He went from being an awful reprobate of a man to a songwriter, a a, a hymn writer, and wrote maybe the most famous hymn in, in all of Christianity, Amazing Grace. I mean, the evidence is overwhelming that the Bible is indeed God's Word. And for that reason alone, you can without doubt 
trust what it says from Genesis to Revelation, including origins of where this universe came from and where you and I came from. So important to understand that that makes sense, which leads us to point number two. You can trust the Genesis account of creation because this account is plausible. It's hard for me to read even that children's website. And they're, they're trying to explain origins to children by saying there was this little speck of matter that exploded and what have you. I mean, that to me sounds like science fiction because there's so many questions. I mean, okay, at what time did that happen? Was there time then? And that's a hard concept for me to figure out, but... Was there, was there even time then? And, and was there space? You know, okay, there was time, there was space, okay, and was there matter? Yeah, there was something there. You know, and, you know, okay, well, wait, okay, let's take it one step back. Where did that come from? You know, that's not plausible to me. 1 Corinthians 2.14 But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. The unsaved man doesn't understand spiritual things. For they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. Scientists, as smart as they are, their degrees in astrophysics and what have you, you would think, well, pastor, if they, if they can't figure it out, then it, it must be because it, it didn't exist or it can exist or it couldn't be that way. You have to understand, in their natural state as a lost person, they can't figure it out. They won't figure it out. They, they are, as the Bible says, folks, lost people are walking in darkness. You and I see it clearly. We read God's word. We take it at face value. We believe it. We trust it because... Our eyes have been opened to the truth through the wonderful saving grace of God. Whereas these people have rejected God. It's hard for us Christians to really comprehend it, but they they don't believe. And they look at this book and say, that doesn't make sense. I don't get it. This is just, this is ridiculous. Well, the Bible explains it. They receive not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto them. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. That's why the secularists, lost people, come up with their own ideas. Big Bang Theory and evolution. We don't buy that. We take God at his word. We believe the Genesis account. You can trust the Genesis account of creation because this account is plausible. Let me explain. First, it's plausible that there is, where there is creation, there would be a creator. Right? Where there is creation, there must be a creator. And that's the Bible account. Makes sense to me. It is more logical and reasonable to believe that God created the heavens and the earth as the Bible stated rather than taking a leap of blind faith that nothing created everything on its own. I mean, you talk about blind faith. We have faith in God. We have faith in his word. They have faith in fill in the blank. (laughs) The foolishness of their blindness. It just makes sense that where there is creation. There is a creator. 
when I am witnessing to someone and they raise the question of, well, wait a minute, how do you even know there's a God? I said, I will often say, look out the window. See? (laughs) Proof. Right? I mean, look, just, we're here. This is creation. There must be a creator. Number two, it is plausible that where there is design, there would be a designer. For your eye to function. For your your brain to function. For the weather to act predictably as it does. For the planets and the solar systems to perform in a predictable way indicates design. There must be a designer. It is more logical and reasonable to believe God gave design to the universe and all its animate as well as its inanimate objects than to believe that design occurred accidentally and without any explanation by blind chance of its own accord. I'm sorry, that's not believable. There is design everywhere in this creation. Design in how plants operate, how animals operate, fish, birds, people, and on and on it goes. And, and, you know, everything in physics is is by design. It's predictable. We have laws of physics. There is a design there. And where there is design, it makes sense. That there was a designer. How can design and predictability and uniformity come from nothing? And a third point. It's plausible that where there are laws, there is a lawgiver. This design that we have operates by laws. There's gravitational laws. There's thermodynamic laws. It's more logical and reasonable to believe God instituted laws that govern trillions of stars and, and, and planets as than to believe absolute randomness and pure chance could ever produce governing laws. It is far more plausible to believe the Genesis account of creation than man's fanciful uh, description of origins. It just makes sense. It is plausible to a reasonable, rational individual. And then number three, you can trust the Genesis account of creation. Rearrange this here one second. Bear with me. I'll find something here. You can trust the Genesis account of creation because observable facts support the account. The facts, the evidence, if you will, does support the Genesis account. Romans 1.20 For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. The evidence of creation, this verse is saying, is clearly seen. 
except by those who are walking in darkness. But the Bible says they're without excuse because it's right in front of them. Bill Nye, who was a Christ denier, Bill Nye is without excuse. He chooses not to see the truth because the evidence is indeed supportive of creation. Let me just give you, I could give you lots of examples, but let me just give you three. Did you, do you understand there are no transitional fossils? You, you do understand that. They have a problem with that. If all life forms have evolved from simpler life forms, there should be millions, if not billions, of transitional fossils available for study. <coughs> These transitional fossils, for example, would be the type showing the process of one species of evolving into another. However, no transitional fossils have ever been found. That's the quest for the, you've heard of the missing link. You know, they're looking for the missing, where, okay, we were apes and now we're people. There's got to be something in transition, half man, half ape. They haven't found it. And if it were true, there should be millions of those fossils around. Amen? Because it wasn't just one transition to another, if it were plausible what they're talking about. It doesn't exist. For man or for any, any other. Look, I would encourage you, go, on, go to YouTube and look up Dr. Jason Lyle. He is a Christian astrophysicist. I could have been an astrophysicist if I wanted to be. I just didn't want to be one. But it had been easy for me. Y'all know me. That that really encouraged me. People rolling their eyes. Yeah, right. You're an astrophysicist. Well, he is an astrophysicist. He explains on some of these YouTube videos. You know, one of the things that frustrates me about the the creationism and the uh, uh, the whole origins debate is it gets real technical real fast because it does go to science real fast. I watched him the other day, and he explained it so simple about genetics and how there are mutations within a kind, but one kind doesn't become another kind. It's like the light went on and said, that's brilliant. He explained it from a scientific point of view that, yeah, you, you, from, from a single pair of dogs, you can have poodles, you can have Dobermans, you can have all kind of different kind of... He said, but when it's all said and done, guess what? You still got dogs. And he explained why they can't become something else. And he explains how and why some of them became what they became and how some of them have become extinct through the years. And it it makes perfect sense. But there are no transitional fossils. Uh, Number two, got to be quick here. The law of entropy. Everything runs down. The theory of evolution relies on the idea that things can improve or become more complex given enough time. However, what we observe is that everything runs down or becomes less complex. This is, the, uh, this is called the second law of thermodynamics or the law of entropy. For evolution to work, this law would have to work in reverse. Listen, your, your children's rooms do not get cleaner over time. And that's what they're saying it happens, that... that Since all of this started with the Big Bang, things have become more and more complex. That's impossible. You know, I don't think we've come from monkeys. I think we're becoming monkeys. (laughs) Given enough time. 
Oh, kinds are... But, but do you understand this? It's a simple truth, this law of entropy. The, the things... The, Listen to Dr. Lyle. He can explain it real quick. Dating methods. This is one. A lot of you think, well, carbon-14 dating proves it. You know, that proves it. You know, that scientific fact. Well, dating methods flawed. Those who believe in evolution also believe that the processes we observe now, physical and chemical processes, have always occurred at the rate that they were presently occurring. Thus, they claim to be able to tell how old something is by calculations based on that belief. However, there is no way to verify the uniformity they espouse. A worldwide catastrophe such as the flood of Noah would completely upset this uniformity by which they gauge uh, the passing of time. In my preparation for this, I've learned that the speed of light hasn't always been the same. That throws a monkey wrench into all of their beliefs. We all like to go to museums. And we all cringe a little bit when they say, well, this happened 22 million years ago. 15 million years ago. Those are folks that we need to pray for. They're walking in darkness. They can't see in their lost state, what you and I see with redeemed senses, a redeemed heart, a redeemed mind. We'll conclude, Ken Ham, a quote from him again. We need to attack the false foundation of autonomous human reasoning that leads to evolution in millions of years and proclaim that God's revealed word is authoritative and its history of the world is foundational to Christian morality and the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we conclude where we began. And it's a, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. For us believers, isn't that reassuring? Isn't that comforting? And by the grace of God, it makes perfect sense to us. That's why our hearts go out to those who do not believe. You may be here this morning and you're a non-believer. God loves you. He sent his son to die on the cross for you because we're all sinners. Because God is just, he has to punish sin and the punishment for sin is eternity in hell forever without any hope of escape. But while he is just, he is also loving. He doesn't want you to go there. So he sent his son Jesus to die in your place. And he offers to you salvation free as a gift. And when you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, those sins are atoned for, they are forgiven. You do not have to pay for them for all eternity. You will be welcomed into heaven to spend eternity with the Lord. You don't go to heaven by being good. You don't go to heaven by being a Baptist, a Methodist, or any other denomination. You go to heaven by putting your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And the vast majority of people in this room have at one point in time in their lives done that. And I hope today would be a day that you would do that. Thank you for listening to today's message. We hope that the service was a blessing to you and that you were encouraged by God's Word. If you have any questions about Myo Baptist Church, please contact us anytime. You can find contact information on our website at myobaptistchurch.com. Thanks for listening.